briefly, I want to recap where we've been. We've been in a prayer series for several weeks now. Um, when I kicked this off, I just talked about the power of habit and how prayer can really become the most normal thing about you. It doesn't have to always be the most exciting thing about you or the most emotional thing about you or, or whatever, but it can be the most normal thing about you. And we started this conversation around habits. Gentry came up. He talked about how prayer is relational, not transactional, that our Father kind of prayer. I also preached about, um, or then the next week he came back up and preached about reverence and kind of the veil that was torn and this really holy place that now we get to boldly access through Jesus and how awesome it is that we get to be in his presence, but that there should be a real reverence when we, when we enter into the place of prayer. And then last week it was that anything you want, that surrender type prayer, God, I'm here for you. Let me make that very clear. Whatever you want in the world, I'd love to be a part of that story. I'm not the main character you are. Whatever you want in my life, I'd love for you to let me know. Nothing's off the table. Whatever you want, that open-handed posture. Uh, and this week, we're going to venture into something that I'll be, I'll be really honest and candid with you. I, I am not well-versed in. Like, I think for the most part, it's a really wise idea as a pastor to, to teach things that I've been practicing in depth um, before I come to you and just start giving my opinion on it, you know, something that I've like walked with the Lord on. But, but today's conversation, I'll be real, I feel really underdeveloped in, in this area. Um, it, it's going to center around in a simple way, just praying for other people. And I, I hey, I want you to think about whenever you pray for somebody else. Now, some of y'all are really deep in this. Y'all know how to do this thing. But I just want to tell you what my prayers for other people sound like. All right. It's like, Lord, I pray for them. And you're God. So like, I mean, your will's gonna be done. So do your thing. Amen. <laughs> no, I'm just like, you got it. You're sovereign. I'm not. I know that's what he wants me to pray. That guy asked me to pray for him in this way, but honestly, you know better, so do you. You know? <laughs> I'm just like, I don't think anyone else I feel like you just like, I pray for them. Will you help them to be to be better? I pray that their test goes great. Uh, heal them. Amen. You know what I mean? Like, do you ever start praying for someone else? You're like, man, that was quick. I got to have more to say. Can anyone, can someone raise, anyone? Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on. I'm getting shaky up here. Um, and so um, that, that kind of prayer, uh, I think, is starting to flirt with what, what I would call intercessory prayer. This idea of, of praying on behalf of someone, of approaching the, the presence of God on behalf of your brother or sister and I think, I think there's a lot more depth uh, and wisdom available in intercessory prayer. Um, and I also think I'm not the guy uh, to lead us, to pioneer us in this conversation. So I was thinking about a woman I know that you might know. Her name's Jen Barnett. And I'm going to go ahead and invite her up here. So this is Jen. What up, Jen? Come on. Hey, be hospitable. What the heck? Yeah, leave. Uh, uh, um, yeah, I don't really need this. I got a computer. Um, all right, thanks, Tom. Uh, this is Jen, and um, she's been doing 25 years of prayer ministry um, across the country, across the globe, um, and she has uh, played a really big role at Ethos Church specifically. If you've heard of Freedom Prayer, um, she started and helps lead and sustain that whole ministry at Ethos Church. She'll tell you more about it, but if you haven't heard of Freedom Prayer, you need to tuck that away. Freedom prayer can be a real big gift to this space, so we'll get into that. But hey, Jen. Hi. I've told her, look, I got, we got a little outline. We went over it on Thursday, but I've <laughs> told her, like, you do you. I'm going to ask these questions, but you don't even got to answer them. 
You just say whatever you want to say today, but I really want to invite us to posture our hearts and our minds right now uh, to take notes today. Um, the slides are going to be mostly just the prompts. They're not going to have any information on them, so it's on you to take notes, to really participate with this. I think we have a lot to learn, so what's up, Jen? Hi. Start off by just telling us who you are. Who I am. Yeah, who are you? Um, I'm Jen. Uh, most important role would be wife to Corey. What's up, Corey? He's right there. And mother to four really great kids. The one getting the bonus points today is the youngest, and that's Grace because she's here with with Corey, so she gets the points today. Um, That's my my best roles, my favorite roles. Um, We serve as an elder couple at Ethos. Um, We lead prayer gathering and freedom prayer team at Ethos too, which also are really amazing roles to have too. Um, you already know this because I've already told you, but I'm really thankful. I'm thankful that you set aside time to, to be here. I know you have a family, a life, and you've, you've really given us a lot of your time, so thanks. Uh, this is fun, and every time I come in here, it's like it's ministers to my soul. So thank you. Thanks for having me. No, we're sweet, aren't we? You are. You are. Um, all right. Give us, before we get into intercession and intercessory prayer, uh, talk a little bit about what you actually do. Help us yeah. get a grip. I've just, you know, prayer ministry, yeah. 25 years. Put some color on that. Yeah, well, I mean, his intro was slightly exaggerated, so I'm going to bring it down just a little bit. So my my day job is I'm the executive director of Freedom Prayer, which is a bigger global nonprofit. Ethos has a Freedom Prayer team that Corey and I lead, but um, day job, night job, weekend job is the director. I did not start it, so I can't say that I started it. I wish, but actually no, people no, smarter than me. No, I didn't. It. I didn't start it. But um, over the years, I started from a place of just my own desperation. I'd known Jesus for a long time, was desperate to know him more, was desperate for freedom, um, specifically with fear and anxiety in my own life. And so I was 19. I was here um, at college many, many years ago looking for more of God. And so I found some pretty radical freedom that I did not know existed. And then over the years began to pray with people, um, not really with any strategy, just, hey, my life, the trajectory is completely shifted And so why wouldn't I want to offer that to people I know and love? And so it was just a natural outpouring of my own freedom and hunger for God. Um, Over the years, started to build teams to do this. So we realized the need far outweighs one person or two people or five people. So how do we just start to build an army of people that are equipped to intercede and to walk with those who need to know God, who need to walk in freedom? And um, over the years, just sort of stumbled into, and stumbled is the right word. Um, This was not what I studied to do. This was not in my game plan um, when I was 19 or 20. Here is a student at Belmont. Um, but Go Bruins. I didn't know right. that. Nice. Yes. Right. Yes. I was. I just had to drop it a little bit because mm-hmm. I know there's other schools represented. Mm-hmm. But Boo. Go Bruins. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, I stumbled into it, and then over time, just stepped into leadership. And about three or four years ago, stepped into the executive director position, awesome. where I just get to the main goal that we go after is to equip the church with prayer tools personal biblical prayer ministry to remove anything that keeps you from an abiding relationship with God. The best job ever. Well, side note, Jen's one of the best 
at like just getting you into the presence of God real sneaky like, you know what I mean? <laughs> She'll like spend the first five minutes making you all comfortable, putting you in your happy place. And before you know it, you're like in God's presence weeping and you're like, hey, hold on, what'd you just do? What happened just then? How am I like sensing the spirit right now? It's real cool. She leads, she leads prayer all the time at five o'clock at the office. So like, you know, come and glean. Um, all right, let's talk about intercession. Okay. Let's just jump right in. All right. Um, before we get into the depths of it, can you help define the word intercession? Like, what is intercession? Yeah, I think just intercession by itself is the act of intervening on behalf of someone else. But I think that still keeps it pretty basic. I would say it's petitioning on behalf of someone else or actually pleading on behalf of someone else. And so those words take a little bit more depth than just, I'm going to move this out of the way. It's like, no, I'm going to move this out of the way and I'm going to do whatever's necessary to advocate and create a bridge for you to get from point A to point B. Just intercession by itself, mm. that's what it is. Oh, good. Thanks. Um, that was better than what we rehearsed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I took what you got and um, added to it. Where do you, what, what are some scriptures that come to mind with Jesus and Holy Spirit specifically where you see that intercession taking place? Yeah, I mean, once you kind of have a lens for it, it's everywhere. It's all over Romans. I know you guys got the sheet when you walked in. I mean, as I was looking at that, I was like, we could just add pages and pages and trying to figure out where to put it. I think the Holy Spirit, I mean, the name for the Spirit, it, it translates to the advocate. It's, it's the one who walks alongside and makes a way. If you just think about what Jesus is doing based on scripture, Romans 8 is full of these scriptures. He is currently interceding on behalf of the saints. That's his full-time job right now. Yeah. And so that's what he did when he was planted here. That's what he's doing now. And so this is something that we're supposed to partner with. This is happening in the unseen and just bowls of incense. I mean, prayers being poured out and his role as the intercessor is he, this is my paraphrase of a whole lot of scripture, he's saying, hey, those people, they're not condemned anymore, and so now I'm making a way to the Father. There's no more condemnation. Every bad thing that they have done, will do, could do, it's been paid for. I'm advocating on their behalf, and now I'm coming up underneath them to support them in this in this race, this journey of the Christian life. So that's just intercession by itself. It's, it's advocating, it's making a bridge, it's making a way. We be bold and raise your hand if that was new information to you. Was that new for anybody? Yeah, that's all, okay, good. Okay, we're on the, good, me too. All right, um, I don't know what the <laughs> was. That's how I call my dog. Um, anyway, all right, so now going beyond intercession in Christ and the Holy Spirit, flesh out a little bit, we, we're apparently invited into yes. intercessory prayer. So how would you define intercessory prayer? And then also scripture, where do we see some examples? Yeah, yeah. So I would say it's always my heart to kind of raise the bar. So growing up in church, I think I thought that intercessory prayer at the beginning, and this is baseline, it's a good way to start, was, okay, there's some prayer requests, and I'm going to pray for them. And that was sort Unspoken. of... Yeah, that's that. I mean, you can't go wrong starting there. That's going to cultivate something. I would say that inter intercessory prayers, I see it in scripture, looks like submitting your own will before God on behalf of someone else. So there's a submission there. You submit it. 
and you submit it in a place of worship and adoration before God. I think that's often the missing piece because they're like, oh, I got to pray for this list. I got to pray for my house church. I got to pray for my family and my friends because that's what good Christians do. But what if it looked like I'm submitting, I'm laying down my life for some moments, hours, weeks, months on behalf of another person in this place, God, because I am adoring you, I'm worshiping you, and this is a natural outcome of that. And here's the cool thing, again, raising the bar. And in that process of beholding you, I am entering the mind of God. And there are a whole lot of smarter, older, wiser, dead theologians that said that this is what this is. I'm entering the mind of God, and I'm pulling down something from heaven that would not have happened otherwise outside of this transaction. Mm. Like, why would we not want to be doing that? That's our birthright. That's our inheritance. It's the mark of the church. So I'm pulling down something that otherwise may not have occurred because I've entered, I'm partnering with the mind of God, and I, in that partnership, am somehow, and it's a divine mystery to me how it works, but it does. We're the only religion that this works. I'm partnering and changing the atmosphere on behalf of someone or a whole lot of someone's. I mean, that's good stuff. And I'm kind of addicted to it. Like, why would we not want to do that all the time? So scripture, again, there's yeah. so many. I think um, probably my some of my favorites, well, anytime you look at the prophets, like in Isaiah, you know, God was looking for an intercessor and found none. So he's looking for these people. And I want to be like, find me, find me, find me. And then scriptures like John 15, 7, if you abide in me, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, not just I read the Bible, but they like dictate who I am in a place of obedience. Ask whatever you want and it'll be given to you. Again, that's, that's not just for prayer people who do prayer ministry. That's your birthright. That's your inheritance to step into that. That's why Jesus made the way. He was the bridge so that you could be a part of that. So, Commercial break. If you're already hearing it going, shoot, I missed something, um, we ha- it'll be recorded on a podcast. And then also if you're going, this is all kind of lofty and I've never heard this language before, at the very end of this conversation, we'll also give like, hey, if you're trying to just start in a very small way. So don't get discouraged if you get lost in any of this or anything like that. All right. Um, also, Philippians 1.19 sticks out to me, where Paul says, um, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And so I just, Paul, this like missionary who's often being like beaten or arrested or just going, Paul's journey is pretty wild. It's a movie. It's a few movies. And um, he has this understanding of prayer on his behalf being a key component in his like physical and spiritual and mental and emotional deliverance. And so I think that's something that I can struggle to really receive and believe that my intercession on behalf of someone else in whatever way it works, I don't understand the heavenly realms fully. <laughs> I'm not infinite. <laughs> um, I'm just a tiny little human mind. But There's this deep understanding when I intercede for someone, it can and perhaps will make legitimate difference. My prayers for others as I enter into the mind of God is of consequence to earthly realities. 
All right? You feel the faith step there already, don't you? Like, ooh, some of you are uncomfortable. Oh, no, I pray for a lot of people. Like, but anyway, so take some faith. All right, so thinking about, I was going to ask about your story, but I'd rather, I think I want to ask you, you just go wherever you want, but why do you think this is urgent, important, um, awesome? Like, speak to the church and to anyone that's a follower of Christ. Why is this so important, I guess, to you? Yeah, I mean, it's our mandate, right? Like the disciples from day one were told to minister the word and to pray. And I think the American church specifically in the last 40 years has done a decent job about the word and all the Bible studies and the programs and all the things concerning the word, but they've neglected the place of prayer. And I know this, I'm not, I'm not just theorizing, like part of my job is to talk to pastors and church leaders and elders and every phone call says, we know we're supposed to be praying more, but we don't really know how to do that. Or we don't have anyone gifted with prayer. And in my mind, I'm like, it's not a gift. Like that's not in the gift list. It's just a birthright. And you have to cultivate that. And I, I really believe two things that the, specifically the American church, probably most church, but we'll just speak to what we know. We're not seeing the things that we want to see because we've neglected the place of prayer. An intercessory prayer, beholding the Lord kind of prayer, we look stagnant and stale because we kind of shove this aside or assume that it was just for a little camp of people, that that's what they did. So if we look stagnant, I always equate that back to we're not praying. And so that's, that's the here and now. We also know just in the narrative of Scripture that as we approach the day of the return of Jesus, the church is going to be actively engaged in this kind of prayer. And I don't think we're just going to magically arrive there like, oh, look, the world's falling apart. Jesus is probably coming back soon. Let's figure out how to pray. I think it's something that we cultivate and actually practically disciple so that when we arrive there, it's just like our knee-jerk reaction. Like we're like, yeah, this is what we've been doing the whole time. And so I think that piece is really important that this is actually the role of the church. We're supposed to, you know, manifest the wisdom of God in this unseen. We're supposed to partner with him in making a mockery of the principalities, this thing that he's already done. I mean, it's, it is threaded throughout scripture, and we just kind of put it over here because maybe it seems hard, which is legit. Maybe it seems kind of mystical, like I don't really know how to step into that. It's actually fiercely practical, and it's actually the most fun when you do it corporately. Like we're supposed to cultivate the inner life, but I actually think your inner prayer life gets cultivated first in small groups, and you learn from each other, and you take it, and you bring it back home. Mm. You take your home and bring it right back. Most of the passages of Scripture about prayer, it's a corporate kind of thing, which is why, like, shameless plug, we're such proponents of prayer gathering. Like, you want to learn how to do this, go there. You're going to be able to get a skill set that you could take back home, too. Thinking about your personal journey in this, what have you learned— I'm not sure we went over this question, so here we go. Okay, um, but what have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about the presence of God? Like going back 25 years when you started to, to practice in this, even if you didn't know it's what you were practicing in, yeah. like 
I don't know, I'm trying to think about someone that goes, I want to start this, but they're going to come up against some natural barriers and obstacles that you're like, oh, I've been there, and like, but this is what God taught me. I don't know. Just talk about his presence and how do you learn to be in his presence? Yeah, that yeah. is so mystical. It is so it weird. It is. Yeah, it sounds a little weird. I would say, just thinking about this in my own journey, I didn't set out to go, I'm going to be an intercessor. I'm going to, like, that was just not... But I was moved by something. So I would say pay attention to what moves you. I, I was moved by compassion as early as fourth grade. And that was a work of the Spirit that I did not earn or really do much to cultivate other than maybe walking in some sort of fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade obedience as best I could because I knew Jesus then. And so pay attention to where you're, you're leaning into. Pay attention to your heart. So I had a lot of friends early on, middle school, high school especially, that did not know the Lord. And I was moved by compassion for them in the places where they were evidently stuck I don't think that I equated it at that time to this is the spirit kind of inviting me in to intercession. I just knew I hurt with them and for them. And so the natural outpouring is to ask God for help. And so I can remember I was early high school sitting in a someone's house on a Friday night. And one of my friends that did not know the Lord just started talking about this place in her life that sounded true, but wasn't. It was a lie. And in the moment, the Lord depositing wisdom that was not mine because I was moved with compassion and I started to speak it. It was like speaking a prayer over her. And, you know, for those that don't know the Lord, her natural response was, are you a mind reader? And I was like, no, that's, that's evil. Not that, definitely not. But it it sort of made me start to kind of wrestle with the Lord. Okay, what is that? Because I was in a really conservative church that wasn't equipping me on how to do that. That would have been sort of foreign. I came to Nashville, came to college, and I was just around people who radically knew how to pray. And so I would say one of the coolest, easiest things you could do is get around people who know how to pray and listen to them and then copy it. Because Corey would say the same thing. We were around people who prayed all the time, these businessmen, these, these Fortune 500 company leaders, and they're meeting in homes at 6 a.m., praying all the time. And so that's the culture that we kind of came up in. Um, and so I was in a place of desperation, but you, you listen, you learn that way. And I think in that place of what I'm moved by, if I'm moved by compassion, the natural outpouring is going to go, God, I need you to do this. And here's the key. This is the trick. And I believe this now much more in my older years than my early years. I think I said it, but didn't believe it. Now I really believe it. And God, I have nothing. Like, I can't fix this. I can't manifest something. I can't fake it. Like, I think the more you stretch yourself and who you're praying for and what you're praying for, you learn really fast. I actually have nothing. So like the woman in the parable in Luke who goes to the judge who's grumpy, like she is crying out for justice and she's bugging him. And that's not a parable where God's going, yeah, that's who I'm like. That's God going, I'm actually nothing like him and he's so annoyed he actually responded. How much more am I gonna respond as a holy God? Same with the parable with the friend knocking on the door at midnight 
midnight, waking up the grumpy friend saying, I have nothing. I have zero bread to offer my friends. So knock, 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 knock. You're going to get up because I know you have bread. And that's not God going, I'm sleeping on the job and you've got to wake me up and I'm going to be annoyed. That's God going, how much more ready and able and abundant provision do I have if you come knocking saying, I have nothing to offer these individuals? And I can remember truly the first time I actually sat down to pray for someone, having interceded for them days before, and the scary realization that in all my Christian upbringing, I actually have nothing. And I remember my prayer in that moment went internally from, I'm about to just give this person what they are looking for, to God, if you don't show up, it is sunk. And God's like, okay, good that you're here. I can work with that. So my whole journey in this Mm. is a faith-building kind of journey of me really knowing I'm going to show up and I have absolutely nothing. And as in my day job, the Lord keeps stretching what I have nothing for. Like now my prayer is, I have nothing and I'm completely unqualified. (laughs) Like someone goes, do you have a counseling degree? No. Do you have a divinity doctorate? No. Unqualified and nothing. And the Lord's like, good, we'll work with that. Mm. And so this place of what moves me, that's from the Lord, that's a work of the Spirit, to I have nothing and I'm unqualified, but but I have an abiding relationship with the God of the universe who says that's a good prerequisite and I can partner with that. So you're moved by compassion. That's cultivated back here from obedience. Like just be obedient. It's not flashy, mm-hmm. but obedience is the key to all the good things in scripture. So be obedient, pay attention to what you're moved by and start to intercede, pull down the bread from heaven, essentially, that you didn't bake and you don't have, pull it down. And then that's the thing that cultivates all the things that we want. If you are hungry for God and you want to move in the gifts of the Spirit, if you want to walk in discernment and words of knowledge and words of wisdom and prophetic, all the cool, snazzy things, come back here to intercession and learn it in that hidden place. Like I, I have the great ability before it was my job. It was just what I thought the church should be doing. Just praying with people all the time. For the past 15 years, I probably prayed with individuals two to five times a week consistently, except on Christmas. And I used to do it on Christmas, but boundaries. So learn boundaries in, in older age. And so if you're doing that, if you're constantly cultivating that place of obedience, moved by compassion. The natural thing is to say, I have nothing, God, you have everything. You start to move in those things that you want to move in. Like you don't go after those things because they have all the pop and the, the, you know, the fireworks. Those things are actually cultivated in the hidden place. The hidden place is intercession every single time. Like I had someone this past week over coffee and she was young, much younger than me, I'm leading some in a nonprofit. And she said, how'd you get here? How do you end up here? And I was like, being hidden. Like, I really didn't step on the scene doing what I'm doing until I was 40. I'm, I'm pushing 47. I was hidden in rooms with people, praying for them, pulling down bread, going, God, I have nothing, but you have 
everything. You got to come in with intercession knowing he has everything in abundance and he is more than happy to give it to you. So you expect him to respond. I expect that he's going to show up every time. I really do. It's kind of crazy and it makes me a little psychotic in prayer, but I'm like, he's going to show up and I'm going to sit here till he does because I have nothing. And that's really been cultivated in the hidden place of abiding. Like I'm just before the Lord spending time. I'm hidden with him. I'm listening for him. I'm looking for him. And so that's, I don't know if that answers your question. That's, that's the journey. For sure. Thank you. Yeah, go for it. Um, I think one little nugget that you had like six minutes ago that we might have just skated past if we're not careful is if you want to grow in your prayer life, be around people that pray, you know, and, and spend time praying with them. I think with spiritual practices, we tend to underestimate the word practice, um, like just trying and experimenting, you know, and we would do this with any other kind of habit or discipline or practice that we're trying to learn about. But in the spiritual realm, I feel like sometimes we feel like we're left to this prayer closet island on our own. Didn't feel right. I'm confused. He didn't answer. This is weird. And two weeks later, and we're kind of like, I'm not a prayer person. That's just how it is. And I would just really speak against that. I think the more you practice prayer, this type of prayer um, in the inner closet on your own, uh, by yourself, talking to God, teach me. I'm just going to try to do my best and learn from scripture and whatever else. But also, who's someone you know, who's multiple people that you know, that also have even just the desire. Maybe they're not even good at, pray, good at praying, but they had the desire. Like, what if you started linking up with them? It's something Sam, Lou, and I did a few times. We were like, let's just get in the same room and pray for like three hours. And we didn't know what we were doing, dude. We're idiots. Like, we were just sitting in a room. Like, all right, let's see. I don't know. Let's try, you know? And I mean, that, that's like marked our friendship, but also like, man, we really felt like we got somewhere. Like, there's just something about getting with people going, God, we don't know how this works, but we want you anyway. Tangent, here we go. Um, okay, we've got like, shoot, we've got like, well, we got like 15. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say 10. No, come on, 15. Um, all right, y'all still here? Are you hanging in? All right, lean in. Keep leaning in. Um, Briefly, where have you seen the power of this prayer in your ministry? Not just Jen Barnett, but like as you facilitated and participated in this prayer, kind of maybe the word like testify, like give us a little bit. Briefly. Okay. So I would say, and this is, if we're just talking from this testimony place of trying to just raise your faith and build your faith, um, I would say that kind of before we even step into the testimony part, I have, in this day and age, in this culture, and I'm going to say it, and it's controversial, but I really believe it. One antidote to kind of cure loneliness, depression, isolation is this. Because I have never seen someone come in the door carrying those things and not leave changed. And I would say that's fairly miraculous because I've watched it shift people's hearts atmosphere. I would say, um, I'll tell you a story that kind of sums up thousands of stories, like just the coolest job to be able to have thousands of prayer times with people. Um, There was a, a incident seven, eight years ago, maybe several years ago where I was going to help a very conservative church in a different denomination than whatever our denomination is, but it was not this. Um, And uh, they had called me in and they were kind of 
checking out freedom prayer. This happens in my world a lot. Like, hey, we're going to give you something really hard and we're not going to tell you what it is because we just want to see if this is for real. And they're like, we have a really hard case with a family and um, all the pastors are going to be there to watch you do it. And we're not going to tell you anything. And I'm not exaggerating. Like this is, so again, I'm like, knock, knock, knock. I have nothing, nothing, God, unqualified, so unqualified. But I know you love these people and I know that you want your glory on display. So I'm interceding for this lady who had had just her life fall apart, abusive husband, lots of money lost. And I have permission to tell her story. I was just with her this past week and we were reminiscing about this story because it built both of our face. And so I'm praying for her. I'm interceding. And the only picture, the only, like, I'll listen to the Lord for scripture and we'll talk about this in a minute. But the only thing coming to my mind day after day after day is a picture of a phoenix, you know, like the bird that dies and rises from the ashes. And I'm like, that's weird, God. Like, this is a Presbyterian church. I can't come in there with a phoenix. Like, I'm arguing, just arguing. And the Lord and I do this, and it's worked for me. Like, I'm like, really? Like this? Are we sure? I hadn't watched a movie about a phoenix. I knew it wasn't coming from me, but I would literally do this, praying. I was like, nope. We're getting something else. Nope, nope. And day after day, like I'm contending for this woman, Phoenix. So we do the whole prayer time. She gets lots of freedom in her heart. I mean, people are crying and the pastors are like, but at the end I said, hey, because the Lord's like, say it, say it, say it. And I've known him long enough that when he does that, I typically obey, even if I'm like, oh, well, this is where I get kicked out and no freedom prayer team here. And so I was like, hey, really open-handedly, I've been praying for you for days. And I feel like the only thing that the Lord is giving me is a picture of a phoenix. I don't know if that even lands. Like I'm like, I'm exiting out the door as I say it. Like this is it. And she looked at me stunned and she starts weeping. And she said, I had to go back to work because my husband, ex-husband took everything and has wrecked our lives. And I was in my marketing class this week and we were studying the emblems on old 1950 cars, like how that was an advertising scheme to like whatever was on the hood said everything you wanted to know about the car. And one came up on the slide and it was a phoenix. And I told God in that moment, I want to be that phoenix. I need to know that you see me as that so I can keep going. So now I'm crying. The pastors are crying. And I was like, God, like I could have dismissed that, but I kept coming and pulling bread. And I have a thousand of those stories. And I want you to know that there are many people that have thousands of those stories because this is your birthright to operate in partnership like that. So I've seen that kind of miracle weekly. I was in three prayer times this past week. I could give you an example like that. And every single one of them where I should be smarter at this this age where I'm like, I know this is the Lord. Like I come in and I'm like, I I don't know, but here's all I got. And, And that's a really great place to be too. Like you don't have to be totally confident. I'm just confident that the Lord loves them more than I do. And he wants to make himself known. And so I just come with all of it open-handedly and see, um, I have seen from a place of fierce. One more minute. Mm-hmm, oh, CrossFit, um, CrossFit kind of intercession um, in India in a cinder block room, no windows, no air conditioning, the wind of the Holy Spirit show up and meet a woman who was caught in a foreign religion that goes against God's holiness. 
and she was changed, and I wouldn't believe it myself, except that Courtney Steele was in the room with me, and if anyone else is going to be in the room with me and give testimony to that, she and I were talking about it this week, it was life-changing, and that was like gutted out intercession where you're sweating because there's so much idolatry and tied up things, and she was, she was stuck, and we saw God come in and went through the room where we're looking. We're like, where's the windows? Where's the air conditioning? There was none. That's what the Lord did. I have seen God move in a place of intercession where we're, we're gutting it out for people. This was on that same trip. And the Lord very clearly said, that woman who just walked in holding two men because she was bent over, she couldn't walk or stand up by herself. I'm going to heal her today. And Jen, you're not going to pray for it, but you're going to tell Dale Clay that he is. So I'm like, hey, Dale, you're going to pray for her and she's going to get physically healed. Just so you know, I don't walk around doing that. That was kind of next level intercession. And I've never seen it before, but I've seen it now. And she got up and walked out completely healed. And so every major move of God is preceded prior by intercession. Billy Graham crusades, most of you are too young to remember those. This is the last one. I love him, but all he did is get up and just read some scripture. Thousands of people come flooding down the arena to get saved it's because he had a whole prayer team prior interceding for weeks. If you want to see the move and power of God, it's intercession. That's it. Yeah, and I want to point something out about Jen. Um, I asked if I could, if she would testify. She does not lead with testimony uh, in the sense of, I think you've all probably been exposed to like the worship of the gift, the worship of the result, the worship of the story, and which is, I don't in some examples, it's, it's worth being like, guys, this story's incredible, and it's only your cynicism and skepticism that makes it seem like worship. <laughs> like, um, but Jen always leads with this, I just want to get you in the presence of the Lord. And because I prompted her, now she can just go and talk to keep telling her to stop talking. She can tell you several stories, but her lead, what she would only speak to an audience like us is, I want you to abide in the presence of God. Like, Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Not abide in me and you will learn how to make fruit. Like abide in me, I'm going to take care of it, I promise you. But you gotta be here. And I just, I really respect and admire how you very humbly hold carefully your testimony. I even asked her, I "I want you to testify, but I said, there's a rule. You can't tell a story that you've heard. I don't want you telling hearsay stuff. I'm, I'm really cautious with these kinds of stories. You only have to tell me, you can only tell me stories that you've experienced personally. And she was, you were already there anyway. You weren't about to. And so anyway, anyway, blah, blah, uh, we gotta go. Um, let's, get, let's get really practical in five minutes or less. Um, um, if someone, we've, I, I do think you've been very specific, but I still think this feels pretty lofty for someone that goes, dude, what, like seriously, what are you talking about? Yeah. So what would a, a, someone that goes, I want to try to learn what this is, yeah. maybe individually, maybe with friends or with mentors or whatever, help us start. Yeah. What can we start this evening, tomorrow morning? Yeah. So start number one is if you heard me say, what are you moved by? And I, compassion, that's what moved Jesus. And you're like, I'm not moved by that at all. Start there and say, but I wanna be. So make that your cry multiple times a day. Move my heart with compassion, Jesus. That's, that's how you did it. 
And if you're like, I'm still stuck, well, let's work on the connection there. There are places to do that. We'll talk about that in a minute. The second thing is pick one person and just start to pray for them multiple times a day and keep a journal and be listening to the Lord for these things. Ask the Lord, what do you say about them? Who are they? Why are they here for such this time? What do they carry in the image of God that looks just like you? God, is there anything hindering them from walking in the fullness of looking just like you? And just start, God, would you show me scripture? Would you show me in your word? Would you highlight it so I see what you're trying to say? Would you give me words for them? Not like words, words, but like just words that would describe their current state and where they're at. And I'm just going to pray and just leave it at that. You don't have to do anything with that. You're just learning to to partner. Pay attention to what your lean is. And if you're like, I don't know what my lean is, here's a really good way. It's practical, practical. Go to Walmart and walk around and see who you lean to at Walmart. Walmart, I have trouble in Walmart. I need like the horse blinders when I go to Walmart because I'm like, so many things. And so, but if you're trying to learn it, like walk in there and just see the person that your heart is inclined to and just start silently praying and just walk, don't don't stalk them, but walk around praying for them and just see if the Lord wants you to do anything else with that. It may be nothing. Most intercessors, it's nothing. And so do that. And if you want to take it to the next level, meet with a friend and say, I'm going to pray for you the day before. I'm going to keep a journal of everything I think God is saying. We're going to get together. We're going to wait on the Lord for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then we're going to speak to each other what we think God is saying to us about each other. And that's how you learn. The first time I did this, I looked at a girl. I was 19, 20, 21, somewhere in there. And I was like, hey, I feel like the Lord just told me something about a red wagon. Does that hold true? She was like, nope. And I was like, all right. So now that's my voice. And I'm so you learn, what's my voice? What's the pizza I ate late last night just coming back up? And what does the voice of God sound like? So I could look at you and say things, and you could be like, Jen, those are nice. I mean, I'm encouraged. But that one line that you said, it like hit me in my gut. That's how you learn to discern what's me, what's the enemy, what's the voice of God. Just practice. Practice with safe people. Um, so yeah, that, those are some initial steps. Yeah, and I think just like you go to church here, you know, so keep asking questions. Um, I think stay really curious. Um, don't, don't have this need to come to a resolution or a place of complete clarity or clarity at all when you start this journey. I think more just the posture of, Lord, I'm just going to I'm just going to go for it, and for the next year or two, I'm just going to be open and try to learn stuff with no pressure that I take some substantial step, but more just a heart that goes, I just want you to know I long for this, and I'm going to try, you know? So I think take all the pressure off. Um, because of, hold on, let me, let me look. While you're looking, I'm going to yeah, say, too, yeah, go, if you are new to this, and you want to learn, if you're not new to this, and you're like, how do I cultivate this deeper, shameless plug, come to prayer gathering. You're going to learn a lot about intercession for people, for people groups, for things that are dear to the Lord's heart and scripture. And if you really want to cultivate listening and interceding on behalf of a person, come talk to me about freedom prayer. We have a team of about 50 
at Ethos. And there are people showing up multiple times a week to pray with an individual for two to three hours. And they're doing it voluntarily. And they're doing it because they love it. Because again, we're addicted. Why would you not want to be doing this? Yeah. And just a little, just a little hint at the future. Next year, we're going to really start dabbling in some prayer teams and just really trying to take some deeper steps. Uh, and Jen will certainly be helping lead us there. Um, let's wrap up with just resources. Like the main resource here is trying. You cannot escape it. You cannot avoid it. Your number one resource in intercessory prayer is you trying it. Do we hear me? Because we're about to give you a book or two, and that is not your primary resource here. The primary resource is you trying with the presence of the Lord. Having said that, is there a book? Is there a podcast? What would you say? Hey, this book helped me. This whatever helped me. Yeah. I mean, we already discussed that I'm not cool and can't just pull out podcasts. So I go back to books. I like books in my hand. I mark them up. You cannot go wrong with anything by Andrew Murray or Ian Bounds. Those are my guys. And so I feel like they have such a basic yet deeply rooted understanding of intercession, the ministry of intercession by Murray, um, the necessity of prayer by Ian Bounds. That's going to give you just deeply rooted spiritual formation foundation in these things. And those are the ones that I go back to, the old old dead guys who are smarter. Is Ian Bounds I-A-N? E-M, like E dot M dot. Bounds. But I asked. Yeah. Um, e.M. Bounds, Andrew Murray, two authors, books you mentioned, Ministry of Intercession. Uh, also, Andrew Murray with Christ in School of Prayer. Okay, cool. Um, all right. We're going to circle up and talk. I know we've, we, we talked for an extended time, but obviously, Jen, just steeping in wisdom, we had to do it. Um, first, can we just say thank you to Jen? <laughs> Love you. Thank you. Okay, awesome. Um, and now we are going to circle up and process. I, I haven't said this stat in a while, so here you go. Um, you remember 30% of what you see and hear. You remember 70% of what you discuss with others, 80% of what you experience, and 90% of what you teach someone else. And so if we just stopped and went to worship, we're in that 30% range. We're going to try to bump it up to 70% right now. And so we have a slide. Can you go to the communion slide? Yeah, so we're going to circle up and discuss. Um, very briefly, just prior to today, what were your experiences with intercessory prayer? It could be nothing, could be something weird, could be something great. Number two, what caught your attention today? Like, what's one simple thing you learned? And then number three, what is one way you can grow in intercessory prayer? Be as specific to your context as possible. I'm going to go to my prayer closet tomorrow, and I'm going to try to start talking to God about how I can grow, like get real specific to time of day, environment, all that stuff, okay? All right, as always, if you don't want to circle up, of course you don't have to. It's church, okay? We don't force you to do stuff like that. But socially, we are going to try to force you. Go ahead.